Hi, this is Derek from Carner and Gregor, and you're listening to Musical World. I am Neville Grused, and you're listening to Music World, the greatest place to hear new musical talent. Welcome to a special edition of Musical World, live from Encore Theatre Company, downtown Dayton's historic Oregon district. Today's guests include new musical theater writers Amy and Stephen Lee, Jim Farley, also co-host of Musical World, and yeah. also sound engineer extraordinaire. Well, that's there, Rachel. stretching it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Neville Grused and Derek Greger, welcome to all of you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Uh, all of you have songs featured in this weekend's Encore Theatre Company's second volume of Big Fat Concert Series. And I want to talk a little bit about your involvement, not just with us, but in the art form in general. And I wondered if each of you could talk a little bit about your background and how it led to this industry and writing for this industry. Amy and Steve? Awesome. We get to go first. <laughs> uh, we, um, gosh, I have a background in musical theater and performing for since I was little, and so I've come from that arena, and most of my writing for a long time was in kind of a pop genre, singer-songwriter esque type of thing, and um, I was doing a lot of pop and gospel in Nashville. And then, upon our return to Dayton, lo and behold, we discovered Encore Theater Company and started getting involved. And through David and Jim and Shane and kind of their connections and listening to Musical World, um, started getting immersed in this world of new musical theater writers that was really exciting and doing really different things from what's been done before and different things from each other. and. Um, Kind of, for me, personally, it kind of took me by storm and we started getting really excited about it. And a lot of the stuff we've been writing in the past two years has been more in that vein just because it's something that there's a lot of energy around and it's something that we feel kind of passionate about right now. Wonderful. Neville, how about you? What sort of led you into the writing arena in this industry. I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my background is, uh, first of all, I come from South Africa and I immigrated to the States uh, 32 years ago. Um, I am a, an accountant and financial uh, person by background, but I always loved music and I was brought up in South Africa on the top jazz and Broadway music that I gravitated to and when I finally decided to emigrate, I said, there's only one place I want to go, which is New York, because that's where the center of it all is, and that's where I want to go. And in South Africa, I had written music, never really got published. Some of it got amateurishly performed. And when I came to New York, I was really uh, energized. I was really uh, turned on by the energy and all the uh, dynamic uh, forces in New York. And I wrote more music, and after three months, I realized that I was unknown in New York and that I could now claim to be internationally unknown. <laughs> so that's how I started. But then um, I carried on with my financial career but kept on writing and going to a lot of Broadway shows and really uh, learning and, and music from uh, studying the masters myself. And then I felt that there were certain Broadway shows I saw that I could do better than, I said I could write a better show than that. Why don't I write a show? And that's when I started saying, if they can get that on, I can get something that I write on. So I kept on plugging away and uh, started to, uh, to do some writing and submitted some shows and discovered one thing that I didn't realize because I was doing the lyrics, the music, and the book, which I think was a mistake, but uh, I did it because nobody else wanted to work with me. So it was the only way I could do it. But I also found that I always imagined that the most important thing in a Broadway musical is the music. And having written great music, people would snap it up and want to produce it. And to my horror, I discovered that, no, the most important thing about a Broadway musical is the story. And people said, yeah, we like your music, we like your lyrics, it's great, but the book is terrible. I said, so what? I've seen worse than that on Broadway. But anyway, I, did it. <laughs> I had to still sell it. And I was actually, I heard an interview of Andrew Lloyd Webber, which I found interesting. They asked him, why is the Phantom of the Opera such a great success? And knowing what kind of person he was, I assumed he would say, because the music is brilliant and the most <laughs> great music ever written. And he said, the story is fascinating and timeless. 
people loved the story of the Phantom of the Opera. He didn't even mention the word music. And that's when I realized that uh, I had a lot to learn, and I actually then joined a playwright group and started to learn how to write the book side of music. But I've always loved it, and um, trying to you know, get myself out of my day job so that I can get involved with musical theater on a more full-time basis. Aren't we all, right? Derek, how about you? I've always um, been tinkering on the piano since I can remember, probably since I was about, about two or three. I saw the movie Amadeus in 1984. I'm not going to say how old I was. I guess I was negative. I saw Amadeus and then I knew I wanted to be a composer. And I was totally blown away by the concept of writing. I I got really into opera and I love the idea of creating a sound for a world that has, you know, actors and sets and costumes and like a story. I thought that was such an amazing you know, role to play is to create the sound for that kind of situation. So I've always wanted to just write for theater. I never really was a, a like a musical theater person all through high school and stuff. I, I kind of discovered it later when I was in college and then realized that that's, I didn't really want to write modern opera. I wanted to write musical theater. But it, I still, even my first musical Unlocked has a kind of very Mozartian and even earlier like Baroque feel to it. So I got that out of my system and now we're off and running and doing whatever else comes up, but I just love writing for character, and even our standalone songs are always kind of rooted in, in character. And then I, I met um, my collaborator, Sam Carner, at uh, NYU at the Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program, and that's kind of what sealed my partnership was with, with him, was writing this our first show unlocked. Several of Encore Theater Company's cast members will be performing during this uh, hour podcast. And uh, first up is Corinne Drusha and Nicole Dine singing your piece, Derek, Grown Up Now. Could you talk a little bit about that piece? Um, this is not from a, a musical, a particular show. It's a standalone song, but once again, it's, it's a very, um, it's very contextual. It's very much based on the situation. Sam and I have a, a really good friend who's a fantastic writer. Her name is Selda Sahin. And she... And her childhood friend, Sarah, um, were roommates in New York City, and they've known each other for years from Michigan. And she introduced Sam to Sarah, and now Sam and Sarah are married. So this song kind of examines childhood friends, roommates, and and one of them has such fantastic news that she's going to be married to a good friend of the other one. So it's such a nice situation, but it's going to totally affect their relationship because they're not going to be roommates anymore unless there's something really kinky. So, so that's what this is based on. It's called Grown Up Now. From Sam Carner and Derek Greger, this is Grown Up Now.
about me and are you gonna text me from all the singles parties you go to without me will you have time to lie on the lawn or shop with me once you have a daughter who will i call when work was bad and when i'm hungover who'll bring me water we're all grown up we're grown up now and we're too old to have tea parties without tea You will never lose your place We'll just make more space And to you, Val, you'll always be the friend I always knew I do I do If you get a new roommate If you get a new dog or kid If you move to New Jersey That's okay, I love you If you don't always text me If you need couples time for sex If you that's okay, I love you. When you have daughters of your own, I'll be back on the floor drawing Care Bear maps and brilliant inventions. We'll never stop being who we were. It's just we'll add some new dimensions. We're grown up now. We've grown up some. But we won't get too old for midnight games of Concert, Neville, uh, one of your songs, All at Once is Spring, is featured. Tell us a little bit about the incarnation of that piece. Well, as a composer, you're always looking for inspiration, you're always looking for uh, melodies, something that you can build in. This particular song wasn't written at the time that I had a particular show in mind, but I always wanted to write what I considered a real dramatic, romantic song. And one day uh, last year, in fact, around a little bit earlier than this, I was driving down a street uh, the day before. It was, it was uh, bare, the trees were bare. And the next morning, I was driving down the street and buds had burst off the, le the, the branches. And I said, my God, you know, all at once it's spring. And uh, that sort of stuck in my head. And then later on... Um, Summer came and I was sitting in the garden and I was really, it was one of those humid New York days and I was really sweating and I said to myself, wow, this is really uncomfortable. And then my wife walked by and I saw and I said, wow, I just see my wife's face and all at once it's spring. And that sort of brought the two ideas together. And then came the time when I had to give my wife a gift for a big birthday and anniversary, which happened to come more or less at the same time. I said, well, what do I get for this? and something romantic and that you'll remember and I said well why don't I write a song because it's definitely the cheapest way of giving a gift <laughs> so that's how I came to sit down and put those ideas together about uh, my wife uh, every time I see her think about her, hear her voice and all the different seasons of the year you know, it, 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 all at once it's spring featuring Stephen Lee on vocals this is Neville Grew's all at once, it's spring. Since the moment that I met you And from the very start I knew I'd not forget you And the way you changed the rhythm My clothes get so clammy and clean. I can be any place, and I just see your face, and all at once it's spring. When the leaves start to fall and the trees become barren, and I wonder what autumn will bring. 
as the snow and the ice bring the chill of the winter and the winds blow away everything i will snuggle you and feel a touch of your hand and all at once it's spring i see of them kind of have their own fears or issues that they're dealing with um, and through like as she said through their connection with each other they start to open up and find a way to, um, move, to a higher place. move to a higher place exactly and <laughs> uh, and they and in the the four of them sort of intertwine in ways that they don't quite know yet um, they all sort of all four kind of know each other in a way but don't know that they're all connected yet until sort of later in the show. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And Steve, tell us about the song we're going to hear, Like Summer. Okay, so the song Like Summer um, started, I believe, with David. Actually, because, you know, it was your original yeah. idea. And remind us where the idea of Like Summer came from, because... The lyric, actually, I'm, I'm listening one day driving home to talk radio or something, not really listening, and I'm hearing a, a, a caller call in, and she's an army wife, and she talks about how she hasn't seen her husband in months and months and months and months, and that because of her husband's letters, she feels like she does get to see him, and they have this wonderful relationship. But she mentions that he signs his letters to her, miss you like summer. And that's the phrase, that was the key. And I, and I tucked that away, and in two days, I'd written that lyric. I thought that was a wonderful sentiment. And it was the right idea for the character at the time. So that's, that's where the lyric originated. Yeah, and we sort of, through the different songs that we've written, we've kind of done a combination of the music first and then a little lyric, and mm -hmm. we back and forth. But this one, you actually pretty much wrote all the lyrics. 
or at least the treatment of the lyrics, mm -hmm. and then and then we took it and toured. And then I think I start. <laughs> I wrote. I sort of wrote no, the I, main melody. We have a weird collaboration where we all just kind of do little pieces, and then it all starts to fall in. But yeah. I sort of did the chorus melody, and it was a little more kind of classic Broadway, maybe a little Sondheim or something like that. And then uh, Amy sort of started fleshing out the verses, which ended up a little more kind of a pop musical almost, so that it's got a little bit of those both, and I like the contrast of the, it, there's a sort of stream of consciousness kind of a verse that's a little more kind of just uh, pop, and then we kind of get into this nice uh, sort of contemplative sort of uh, chorus that just sort of opens up and, and gets kind of you know pretty all of a sudden. And, so. and about where, yeah. the, where the song is coming from, it's it's the character of Anna, who has been in this relationship for about five years, and it was kind of a turbulent beginning for them. And it, she feels that it should have settled by now, and it hasn't. And um, she's about to walk out the door, but finds herself, when she is on the verge of walking, thinking of her, her husband, Brian, when they first met, how he would sign off on all of his emails to see like summer. And so she's thinking back to that and that's the thread that's keeping her in the relationship at this point. Featuring a Big Fat Concert Series cast member Tara Murphy on vocals from a higher place by Amy and Steve Lee and a little bit of David Brush, I guess. <laughs> this is like summer. <laughs> I could just move on and not think about you without you call off all the ways I've tried to ignore you implore you I could walk for days through all the doors unopened shoulder all this weight for just a heart left broken I could walk away like we never like I could just forget, but then your eyes tell a different story, eyes like the summer's past, and just when I
started writing for the stage? <clears throat> well, the, the difference of the lyric, uh, because it was, every song was written for a purpose. Before when I had written just pop songs or rock or ballads or whatever, it was this idea pops into your head. And all of a sudden, you were sending me lyrics that all had to go together, and I felt like the music had to go together somehow as well. So for something like Moonlight, which we're going to hear too, what was the process for you in composing that piece? <clears throat> well, <laughs> that was actually, you and I had already written one musical. This was our second musical, and we had never really written a ballad. And this was the first ballad we wrote, and I just wanted something that was going to be kind of pretty and memorable that uh, uh, people would be able to sing coming out of the, the theater that they'd remember. Um, I like a lot of counter melody and that kind of thing, and that's that's what this included. Featuring vocalists T.C. Schreier and Nicole Dine from The Big Picture, this is What a Little Moonlight Can Do. I don't understand when you take my hand I can't remember what to say and I don't comprehend how my eyes will tend to water every time you look my way there must be something in the air something in the sky passes by and I'm seeing things I never Constellation, shift in destination, soft vibrations from a light I never seen before. My eyes will adjust to the light of your touch. I just need a moment to take it all in. Will I wake from this dream? Lose the heat from this beam? Or have I underestimated you? What a little moonlight can do. I can't figure out what it's all about. Why my knees grow weaker when you speak. And I can't seem to get. Thoughts aligned and yet 
of you, I wondered if maybe we could discuss a little bit about the current state of the industry, what excites you about it, what concerns you about it, and where you think it is and where it's headed. Anyone at all? I'm not going to call on anyone at this point. It's a hard question. Neville and I were, uh, well, a couple of us were uh, talking a little bit ago, and he was mentioning that uh, he, he was joking, but he said something, I guess uh, melodies aren't as important anymore in uh, Broadway or something to that effect. And um, I think that one of the nice things about, you know, quote, new musical theater composers is, you know, which we're featuring in the concert series, I think almost every song in the concert series has a really strong melody. And I think the new musical theater composers, again, in quotes, uh, are, really, are really good at bringing back the melodic um, thing that has kind of been bent by, you know, some, some Sondheim shows and some edgier shows and things in the past few years, and marrying it with, you know, kind of rock beats and some of that kind of stuff in a really nice way. Um, this isn't like a state of the industry thing, but, uh, you know, I, so some of the shows on Broadway and things may not have those catchy melodies, but I think a lot of these new musical theater composers are bringing back that melodic, uh, those melodic lines in a really nice way, while still being edgy in their own way, but not kind of being edgy or dissonant for the sake of being edgy and dissonant, you know? Well, I guess uh, I, I, actually my office is on Broadway, so I'm very close to the action. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you look down the, the streets, uh, what's obvious is there's so many revivals. And why are there so many revivals is my question. I mean, it goes on and on and on. They keep bringing back, La Caja Ford is back for the third time. Anything Goes is back. I mean, it looks to me like there is a need for, for new uh, musical theater, new shows and there should be the opportunities, but I think there's also an economic factor. As one producer that I spoke to, we're all trying to sell our shows, and you talk to financial backers, I mean, their question is, how are we going to make money out of the show? Uh, how do we bring the audience in? If it's written by an unknown composer, unknown lyricist, an unknown book writer, why will people come? And of course, there's the process of being, starting with guys like yourselves, working off-Broadway, word of mouth, and slowly moving on. Of course, there have been many shows that grew that way. I mean, the other way to do it, of course, is to get a big star right up front. And if you can get a big star to endorse, say, I want to be in this show, it's brand new, and people never heard of the composers, but I want to be in the show. So that is a, a pull. Unfortunately, marketing comes into play. And as one producer said, you know, we look at four things. We look at the book, we look at the lyric, we look at the music, we look at the marketing potential. And if the marketing potential is low, we don't do the show no matter how good the other three are. So that's part of the problem, is marketing, and just talk the state of the industry. I think it's because economically, uh, investors and producers are, you know, don't want to put their money in, and even some of the shows they put their money in, we've seen them lose millions very quickly when they misjudged the shows. So I think that is the tough part. How do you get the, the audiences to come to something that's not well known? Um. As far as like whether shows, you know, if any of my shows are going to go to a big production on or off Broadway, that's that's something that I think about quite a bit. But but I have a lot, not that much control over that to to a certain extent at the moment. What I try and focus on is some of the unbelievable, unbelievably amazing things that we do have, and and YouTube is the, is probably the biggest. All these new writers can have a career. There's college students everywhere that are singing new music. And you know, when we go to colleges, Sam and I have been doing some stuff at, at um, University of Maryland, I was at Western Carolina University, we were just at Yale. And it's it's like uh, they know they know all these new these new writers and they're doing their stuff and, and it translates a little bit into money because we're selling sheet music on our website, but a lot of times I don't get if someone wants to photocopy the song and give it to ten friends. It's kind of like a long-range investment, the way that we're trying to think about it. It's just like getting our stuff out there. And then producers are starting to notice when we take a meeting, they like, are like, oh, they go look on YouTube and they see thousands of hits. And it gives us some credit. But that's like the, the most amazing thing right now 
in with the limited amount of ability to maneuver that we have, you know, where it's like you can't just go and get a Broadway production. You can't. You, you can only control like what you can control. And we're using YouTube as aggressively as possible. And if there's any new writers out there listening, or actors too, like get on YouTube when we're casting a show, like a like a concert. And we're sitting there with our director and stuff, and we have a list of names. We just go on YouTube, and we need to see it immediately. And if, it's a, if someone comes highly recommended, and we don't type in their name, and we don't see anything, they might be fantastic, but in the heat of the moment, we have to just get done and get through 10,000 things. So we, we need to see footage. So I urge everybody to get some, like, but it has to be good, but get something good on YouTube. <laughs> and writers, too, like, get, get it up there. But that, this whole wave of new musical theater writers, is exciting. And I don't know if it just... If I missed it, like when I started about not eight, nine years ago, it, everybody at every cabaret was playing Jason Robert Brown. I love Jason Robert Brown. But that's all you'd hear. And now you hear like all these new writers at all these things, and it's such a wave. And it's almost like the fact that it's so hard to get a Broadway show, and there's so much like revivals and all that stuff that's so frustrating, it's maybe it's our, our response to that, is creating our own destiny and getting like people in there all across the, the colleges and the showcases are not singing anything. You know, they're singing Anne Juan and, and, and carrying a lot of them. They're singing that stuff. So, like, that's, we're trying to take control of it. And I was speaking with your brother last night at the bar, Amy, Amy Lee's brother, Michael, who's a guitarist, who's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, cool hair, cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he was saying, he was saying um, that you can partner with YouTube, and if you get, like, a million hits, you get uh, you get 15 grand or something like that. And it... That's you get sort of a share of the advertising for that. Yeah. yeah, and I was thinking about that this morning, and I was like, what? We have Fleet Week, the song that, one of the songs that you guys are doing in the show. We're making a video of it with Adam Cantor and Jeremy Jordan, and they're in Times Square and costumes, and, and it's like a huge, it's going to be a video. It's going to be amazing when we finish it. And I want to team up with a couple other new writers and see if we can get like three or four of us to really push each other's videos and each get to a million. And mm -hmm each get $15,000, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, yeah. but but work together. And that's like the sense of community that excites me about the new writers. So uh, that's what I'm Well, and sort of to piggyback on that a little bit that with the YouTube thing, that's kind of a big part of what our idea of the Big Fat Concert Series was. Because, um, you know, a lot... Like you said, that's where this stuff is getting seen and heard, you know, lately. And... Um, you know there are kind of the the videos on YouTube sort of range in quality and and there are plenty of composers out there that wouldn't know the first thing about starting. How would I even go about getting singers and recording for YouTube? I know nothing about video cameras and I know you know nothing about the process. And the and part of the whole idea of Big Fat Concert Series is, you know, we're providing a performance space. We're providing excellent singers. We're providing a band. We're all of this stuff. And all we ask is you know that composers the teams submit their works, you know, and to, to be inc possibly included. And at the end, uh, you know, we record the whole thing. We're actually recording uh, two or three cameras, angles this time, and, you know, higher quality audio. And we're hoping that the end product is going to be very professional. And, you know, we're, we're not uh, charging the composers anything, but we just want to get the word out there, and we want to have the best quality videos we can to kind of provide that service for everyone. And um, so, you know, all I would say is I just encourage people, you know, go to Encore Theater's website, go to the Musical World website, you know, find those links for the submissions. Um, we're not sure exactly when the next one's going to happen, but just, you know, just check that website. Submit your songs because, you know, you'll see the quality of these videos when they're done and they're just going to be phenomenal. I just want to intercede for the listeners that the Big Fat Concert series is what has brought us together this weekend. It's going on here in Dayton, Ohio, and we're thrilled to have Neville and Derek here with us to um, witness kind of what we're trying what we're trying to start with that. I well, just came sure. here to freak out TC. <laughs> 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 I'm singing my song and I'm here to say, oh, Awesome. Well, that's sort of my question, too, is you, you, know, you, you fly in from New York to spend three days with strangers in Dayton, Ohio. How vital are organizations like this, do you think, to the next phase of, of development for, for this new crop of writers? I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. And like, I, I kinda, it was kind of by chance, we can't go to every single place that's doing the song, but just kind of like 
heard about you know you guys a few times and, and, and Dayton, Ohio in general, and it just seems like a cool place. So I was just like, let me just take a take a leap and see and meet these people and see what they're doing and like symbolically see what that is, what it represents probably a handful of, of awesome new development places that I wish I could go to, all of them. And um, and it's so exciting. Like it's unbelievable. Like how because you think there's no support, but then there is, you know? And it's, there's still all the struggles, like they're there. Like how do you get a Broadway show? There's so much BS, and, and that's all frustrating. So I try and find like the, the things like this, and, that, and then you put it in your like, you, keep, you put it in, your, in the bank, and then you use it mm -hmm. when, when you're running out of faith. So, yeah. and it sounds a little precious, but it's cool. <laughs> and and it's, it's amazing that people are like, wanna do, like I'm never gonna get over the fact that anybody wants to do our songs. I think our songs are, Sometimes, sometimes it's not, but it's like it's so humbling that people, you know, know the words. You guys, you're one person singing a song of ours, and other people are mouthing the lyrics. Like, how do you know the lyrics to the songs? You know, it's like that's unbelievable. They love them. <laughs> so, I just think that that's really cool. And Theater Works Palo Alto is like that was probably one of the most exciting things that ever happened to me when we went out there with our Sean Lock. I was like, you, you guys are here to help us, and like, I have a car to drive, and to live and all I have to do is, you know, I'm not like successful. I just, you know, you're gonna put energy into my show. It's really, really cool. Um, and uh, I appreciate that. I think a lot of people appreciate that. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, I somehow got introduced to Jim, I don't know how, through some, we all tried through various theater groups, and I was involved with people in New York, and somehow I guess I was given a link to Music World and uh, I submitted my show, Women Must Work, which is a full-length Broadway musical. That's on the 33rd episode. Yes, that was, and this is 80, yeah. so. And this 80. is the 80th oh, wow. wow. So it's right. been a while. It's been a while it's bad because the show hasn't been produced yet. But anyway, <laughs> it, 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 got, it, it got onto the podcast, and uh, what, what was amazing was that I said, boy, you know, here's something, you know, I wasn't getting any help from anybody, and here's some organization that's doing it, and I didn't know much about it. <coughs> Music world, and frankly, I put in the back of my mind, and the podcast went on. And by the way, I'm just telling you something interesting. A year or two later, I was in England visiting my brother, and we were talking. And he said, "Well, how's your show doing?" I said, "Well, you know, I'm still trying, struggling and putting along, but it was podcast, you know." And he said, "What's that?" And I explained, "Was well, let's go on the internet and see." And lo and behold, I'm sitting in Bournemouth, England. He links on to the podcast, and he starts playing music from my show. In Bournemouth, England, and I'm saying, my God, you know, this is an amazing communication. I mean, uh, you put the case very strongly about uh, YouTube, and it's a great idea. But anyway, getting back to how I, then I got in, uh, the, the the link to the Big Fat Concert series, and I didn't put the two together originally mm -hmm. until I saw Jim's name was associated with. I said, oh my gosh, this must be how we got together. And as as Derek said, you know, to have people sing your song, you, you write a song, you think it's great, and you want it to have life and get exposure, otherwise what's the point? You don't want it lying in the trunk, and you want to get it out there, and you never know. So uh, I really appreciate this, and I think it's, it's a most amazing job, you know, considering you know, what Dayton has achieved. At this point, I kind of want to turn it over to those uh, that are viewing for a couple of questions. We're a little tight on time. If you have any questions for our panelists today. Just as an actor, <laughs> um, I'm curious is, uh, as to when you are working on a song and you want somebody to sing it for you or work it, whatever, Do you is that when you use YouTube or contacts that you already have to find a singer or is it just people you know or people you've worked with before? Um, usually if in that setting it's people that we know, but um, it could be someone on YouTube. Yeah. It, we have, Sam and I, um, have some you know people that, that work with us that are looking on YouTube for people all the time and then bringing us names of people like um, and uh, and then we build relationships with people that we think are talented and, and seem willing. And some people are talented and they don't it's like hire me or don't hire me, but it's rare. Um, a lot of people are pretty available and they're excited about new stuff. So, but how they come to us or how we meet them is many different ways. Um, but I'm always, you know, when people come to us through YouTube, like, we're, we're excited to, to try and build relationships. 
so we just like well, I'll literally sit down with somebody and I'll play like through five songs and I'll tell them don't try and learn it right now don't worry about it just listen and tell me if there's even one or two that you'd like to work on and then and then I send them off with the music and they come back and then we we look at it and and I'm not a singer myself so I, lo I love to hear like like the song grown up now that, that you guys did um, in preparation for this for this thing, I, I buckled down and he was really patient with me sending new files, but I got two friends of mine in New York together and changed some of the harmonies around. And I had I just needed to workshop it, just needed to hear it. And these young actors were really excited about that. And and now they have maybe they're gonna have a chance to get cast in one of our concerts in New York, but that's like a stepping stone. So that's why it's really cool to work with new like we need the singers and the singers hopefully need the writers. So it's like workshop things. And, and be open to it, and then and then you build relationships, and then actors or writers will say, "Hey, I need somebody in this concert. You know, you want to go to this open mic and try this song, put it on YouTube, and see how it happens." Um, I have something. I mean, just sort of from the other side. Um, I, I'm a freshman musical theater major at a very strong uh, theater program here in Dayton. You're awesome too. I think you're so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just uh, talking about the whole YouTube. Uh, clips and all these new shows, um, as someone who's who's in that network of college students of up-and-coming um, aspiring performers, that that is so common, like that's how how all this music is being shared. That's um, every day, you know, there's always people buzzing about that new song that they want to, like, how can I get the music to that? Um, you know, singing it in rep class, uh, finding opportunities in the community to sing stuff like that. That's always going on, and um, our graduating class of seniors uh, are always looking for stuff in New York to be um, workshopping and looking for opportunities. They just finished their showcase, um, got a lot of offers, did really well, and it, it really is um, exciting for everybody, uh, particularly our program, I can, I can only speak to that, but um, to see that kind of stuff, and, and that really is, is exciting to see that that's going on. I feel like we're creating, like I said earlier, we're creating our own destiny. Like, what what's success? Like, having a Broadway show is great. You could have a Broadway show and it could be closed in a week and, and you don't make any money or you know, people hate it. Like, there's so many different levels of like, how you judge what successful is. But, and this might also sound kind of precious, but like, if people are doing your songs and people like them, you know, that are that people that don't know you, you're like successful, right? So I, I just like feel like without the Broadway show will come or it won't come or it'll be in, maybe it'll be in the form of some, some other thing that happens, like a big hit video or a song on Glee or whatever, however it comes. But but like people like you, you guys doing some new music and then people like us writing it, like we don't need, the producers can like come in and, and jump up, like it'll be on our terms. So they come, you know, we're doing what we're doing. And with all respect to them, like we, we, they're not, you know, we're, we're happy to talk to talk with them. But it's like we're gonna like get our work. If your if your work is being sung and there's an audience liking it, that's ninety nine percent of what I'm in this for. Because then there's no. Because then like people come to our shows and it'll be like a whole room of people had a blast. The cast loves it. The, the audience loves it. And there's some industry person. Who's like, oh. I don't know. It's like, okay, you don't know. I mean, don't do it. But if you can't deny that there was an experience, and that is what's important to Sarah and me. And it's very liberating to just, because I used to be like, so if that person didn't like it, then these other hundred people are irrelevant. What is that? It's like, <laughs> it, it was what it was, and, and I enjoyed it. And coming from like the opposite spectrum, like Nicole and I go to a community college where musical theater is not really intact, and encore does for Nicole and I what we need in our lives. We need to be embracing new musical theater and like we're so blessed to have it and then to have all these new opportunities to meet you guys and like sit with you guys and talk to you guys. We're so, so, so lucky. And it's so nice to not have to sing, you know, something from Sweeney Todd. <laughs> I mean, it's so nice, I mean, from the actor's point of view to have new things that people have never heard before and it sticks in their mind. And it helps us as actors get noticed. And I just want to thank you because we need that so bad. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's not hard to see why, at, you know, young actors are so drawn to these songs, too, because in a lot of cases, you know, there may be, like, one YouTube video of, of you know, like a Carter and Greger song or something, 
if you know, if you guys get the next YouTube video of that, and someone goes and searches for that song, there may be you know hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people, whatever, viewing that on YouTube, and you could start to be kind of the defining interpretation of that song, like in a heartbeat, you know. Whereas, how many people have done you know uh, Oklahoma, you know? I mean, like you know those kind of roles. How many people have done those? It's like. You can do it, you may do a great job, but nobody, you know, people forget you and whatever, but, you know, you do, um, you know, like the first or second YouTube video of, a, of the new Carter Gregor song, and it starts getting around in college, and I mean, it's like, all of a sudden, you're like, you know, the, the defining kind of interpretation of that song, you know? There's three, to speak to what you said, there's three female performers here, all of whom are awesome. Our new Carter Gregor song, the latest one, there's no recording of it yet, and you guys can fight about it, or you can all it. It's called, it's called My Vagina's Not the Highway to My Heart. Are you sure you said that? I talked about this last night. It sounds awesome. I said, You guys figure it out, and you get it to a million hits, and I'll take my 15 grand. But you guys want it, you, you tell you, let me know, and I'll give it to you. It'll be a challenge. And, and Which then, one of us and then you guys give you a YouTube video of it. No. You'll give me the first one. Well, Nobody like really has it, so you'll be the first. And yeah. the next episode of Musical World will be that fight. <laughs> yeah, you know. We'll you know. <laughs> On that note, I want to take uh, a moment to thank all of you for joining us, for being here in Dayton, uh, and, and participating in both our concert and the podcast this weekend. This has been Musical World Episode 80, a production of Encore Theatre Company, brought to you by Mevio.com. If you aren't already a subscriber, please do so. You can log on to musicalworld.us. Please also support our sponsors, FTD, Budget Car Rental, Zazzle.com. Links to uh, those sponsors as well as all of our guests' websites and social media links are available in the show notes on the website. On our we- And you can also check out back episodes. As I mentioned before, this is the 80th yes. episode, so it's a little we're, we're approaching our 80th okay. episode. Thank you, thank you. You can check out all of the back episodes. There's some amazing episodes. Uh, Salzman Cunningham, Lauren Kennedy, Susan Blackwell, Betty Buckley. Carter so, and Gregor. Carter and Gregor. Neville Drews. Neville Drews at 33. 33. <laughs> <laughs> I think Carter and Gregor was 71. Somewhere in there. So you can check out all those back episodes and listen and download and subscribe and get the latest ones as well. On our way out... Another of Derek Rager and Sam Carner's songs with T.C. Schreier at the vocals. This is. Let me give him a hug before he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so serious, man. I'm sitting here like, Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to laugh. <laughs> this is After Hours. Cabs went down the street and at Magnolias, they're baking for the morning. Girls on the stoop drink wine. Passed last call at the Irish pub. One guy left drinking Guinness with the barkeep. There's nothing else but time. And we watch all the secrets of a summer midnight. Island cuts through the darkness. The day was not as bright, and I can sleep tomorrow. So much to see tonight, and we shine now to miles away. And all that I want until the day is to say inside the Bouncing down the block, look for a hot new place for toasting and hailing their fairy princess bride. Beautiful people who've been out too late, and eye bankers heading out too early. Salute as paths collide, and we walk. darkness, the day was not as bright, and I can sleep tomorrow.
Yeah. 